You're listening to episode three of the Jeskovike podcast. I'm your host, TJ Jeskowitz, executive director of RAGBRAI. And I'm Mark Wyatt from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And we're glad you're tuned in this week. We've got a just a great lineup this week. We're going to focus on winter bike riding. And, and since we got, whoa, about a foot of snow up north in Iowa, and I'm sure throughout the Midwest, sounds like a good time to talk about winter bike riding. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting right now. This is uh, this is just the perfect snow for me to get out there and enjoy. Had I not gotten sick after the round announcement party and and uh, just kind of, you can tell by my voice just starting to recover, um, I'd be out there right now. So when a foot of snow is dropped, for someone that rides a fat bike, is that kind of like a skier that looks at the slopes and says, oh, fresh powder. It looks beautiful out there. You know, it really depends. I, I'll bet you've heard this. There's different types of snow. You know, it's uh, if you get uh, if you get four inches or so, that's that's pretty good for a fat bike. You get over that, and and uh, it needs to get packed down and get get kind of that uh, that layer on it. Um, so there's there's just that fine line where where people that like winter bicycling really need to uh, to get the right amount and, and that perfect type of snow uh, in order to enjoy it by bike. Well, maybe you guys will touch on that later in the podcast when we talk a little winter bike riding. I think Ryan Baker from World of Bikes is going to be on with you. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm heading over to talk with Ryan. Uh, kind of exciting because they've uh, they've run a pretty good business around winter bicycling, and and uh, one of the one of the uh, biggest uh, fat bike dealers in the Midwest for quite some time. And uh, so I'm anxious to see what his thoughts are on uh, on. Uh, what uh, what that movement is for for winter bicycling another thing that i noticed that they might have to start redesigning some of these bike racks i mean the fat bike is a little bit heavier than the typical road bike and uh i saw a little bit of um i guess give on some of those those bike racks that were holding up i guess some 30 40 pound bikes so uh maybe maybe those bike rack uh holders will get a little stronger in the future with the advent of the new heavy fat bike yeah, you know that's one of the things. There are some limitations, like uh, bus bike racks. Those those bikes don't fit on, um, so uh, so you don't have that uh, that bus option like you would with a com- commuter bike or road. Bike. Gotcha. So you need to kind of keep those things in mind when you when you're taking them out. Well, another neat feature of today's podcast, we are going to talk to Bob Wilson. I think you know Bob. He's over at the Perry, Iowa Chamber of Commerce, and they've got a pretty good size event coming up called Burr, the Bike Ride Rippy. And I think this is year 30, so I'm sure we're going to get some great details. Um, One of the absolute classic events of our state is the Burr Ride. You've been on the Burr Ride before, Mark? Yeah, but I'm going to correct you because Bob will Bob will be all over your case if you don't. It's Burr 40. Uh, Burr, that oh, ride just started five years back, back up, after yeah. after Ragbride did. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so Bob. 40 Sorry, years Perry. of people going. <laughs> so they're just a but, few behind uh, Ragbride if they're at 40. Wow, 40. That's that's fantastic. So uh, you see, yeah, that's why we bring Bob in so he can he can set the record straight. Yeah, that's a pretty mature ride, and I think that's uh, it's an exciting one to do. So uh, hopefully his weather turns out really great. He says uh, he says whatever the uh, the weather is on the Wednesday before the ride, that's that's what makes the big difference for him. Well, good. Well, hopefully everyone will get registered, go up and ride Burr, have a safe and enjoyable time. I, I know I'm probably going to throw out a few 
burst Uris when I talked to Bob in a few minutes, but um, just what a what a great uh, ride that that the Perry Chamber puts on, and also gets other communities in their county involved. So we're really looking forward. I think we'll probably also talk to Bob a little bit about uh, an event that we have, Bacon Ride Four, that'll also be visiting Perry. So looking forward to talking to Bob. Yeah, no, it's uh, that'll be fun. Before we get to these great guests, we do want to mention that our podcast is sponsored by a few individuals or a few uh, corporations throughout our country. Primal is a great company, a apparel company over in Colorado, and the Denver-based company does all of the RAGBRAI apparel. So anything that you see on, on RAGBRAI or any of the RAGBRAI events like the Bacon Ride or Pigtails is produced by Primal. So uh, they were really involved in the red announcement party. Uh, great stuff happening with Primal, and you can access them at primalware.com. Another one is Bikes to You. Uh, our good friends Craig and April Cooper run that bike shop over in Grinnell, and just just a, a fantastic bike shop as well as a Ragbri Charter. They also have Ragbri in style. Um, so Bikes to You, you can access them on the Charter page of Ragbri as well. And last but not least is the Iowa uh, City Coralville Convention and Visitors Bureau. And I think they've got a big announcement coming up about Jingle Cross possibly returning as the World Cup for, for Cross. And you know a little bit about that that event, Mark. It's been in your backyard there since you're a Iowa City uh, citizen. Anything to add about that great event? Yeah, that's uh, that's been an outstanding event over here. You know, they think they got uh, ten thousand or so people that come out to it, and it's uh, it's just an outstanding spectator sport to watch that uh, that World Cup race. So, uh, hopefully, we get some big announcements and and uh, get to do that again. Well, great. Well, let's get right to the show. Uh, I know we've got some great guests that are going to educate you a little bit about winter bike riding. The theme of this week's Just Go Bike podcast. Mark Wyatt. I am uh, at the bike shop right now. I'm at World of Bikes in Iowa City. I'm with uh, Ryan Baker and Andrea Cohen, and uh, we're going to talk about something that's uh, a little bit different, but pretty topical for this time of year. Uh, Many bicyclists consider bicycling an activity for warmer weather. You know, snow and ice are slippery for smooth, narrow tires. Sand and salt are, are corrosive on bike parts. Uh, and cold is just uncomfortable, but but many hardy bicyclists have uh, always ridden during what what other people consider the off season. Um, this is a movement of uh, hardy bicyclists that seems to be growing, and and also the gear seems to be evolving. That's that's why we're here to talk about uh, what you guys do. Um, and and so the question that I have right off the top is is what does winter bicycling look like here in in Iowa? Well, um, as you mentioned, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely evolved over the past uh, several years. Um, you know, with the addition of uh, fat bikes, I think has really uh, increased the uh, visibility to manufacturers for the need of winter bike clothing and proper bike gear. You know, uh, years past, uh, you know, we'd kind of pull together what we had in the closet and, um, you know, make it work to keep us warm when we're going to work or going out for a fitness ride or adventure ride or whatever it might be. And now 
there are companies that are dedicated to winter bike clothing only, and that is all that they do. Uh, guys like 45 North um, have, uh, you know, kind of led the way on that. Uh, Bontrager, Pearl Izumi, you name it. Uh, they all have stepped their games up to make it way more accessible for any rider uh, to get out and ride uh, no matter what the weather is. Andrea, you bike a lot during the winter, but you also do some uh, some endurance events. Tell me, tell me what you do in the winter time. In the winter time, I've always been a commuter, so I've definitely uh, been forced to ride. But now I have the I've made the decision to choose to do some winter fat bike endurance races. So for the past four years, I've been going to the colder parts of America. I just got back from Idaho a couple weeks ago, and it's basically um, taking all of those things that the bike industry and the bike world has given us all the awesome fat bikes and awesome winter gear and pushing it to uh, to its extremes basically and seeing how far I can drag it and myself. Yeah. So fat bikes, you, meant, you brought that up. They seem to be kind of the great equalizer for winter bicycling. What do you think? How do fat bikes work and, and, and what makes that different in the snow? Well, um, you know, here at, at the shop, we were way early adopters on the on fat bikes. Uh, you know, back when the first purple Pugsley landed, we had one as a shop demo bike, and we would goof around on it. Um, and then, you know, as it started to evolve, um, when Salsa started introducing and Trek started introducing them, we really um, we went we went head in uh, on these things. And you know, it really has changed winter biking. Uh, is you know, a fat bike, the only bike that you can ride in the winter? Heck no, you know. But does it uh, open up a lot more doors for a lot more riders? Yeah, you know, just the the uh, the flotation, the stability, the comfort, uh, the, the peace of mind of having a four or five inch wide tire underneath of you just makes it so most riders can go almost anywhere they, they choose, whether it's a snowy bike path or you know, exploring uh, uh, the river bottoms, you know, uh, it just has opened up the doors uh, for a number of riders. Plus, they're just playing fun, you know. Exactly. It's hard It's hard not to come back from a uh, ride on a fat bike without a smile on your face. The number of test rides that we send, send out and someone comes in with the ear-to-ear grin is you could, it, every single person comes back in it's got to be rewarding from a sales position because you you get to see happiness it yeah it makes it easy it makes you feel like a kid again it yeah. takes you back so andrea what's what's fat biking done for you um i think the first winter i had a fat bike it was the most enjoyable winter um when i started commuting it wasn't on a fat bike it was just on the towny bike that i rode anywhere so it it made me happier in all of the seasons because winter is definitely not the most inviting and it's just, um, it's also given me an opportunity to get more people on the bikes. Like Ryan was saying with the test rides, it's really great to get group rides out in different seasons and show people that it's not terrible and it's pretty fun. Now, air pressure in those fat bikes, they change the characteristics, don't you think? Significantly, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, once you get into it and uh, really start playing with the air pressure, one PSI can make... Uh, a world of difference in how the bike handles and you know you really have to gauge uh, air, uh, air pressure based on ride conditions whether it's a, a fresh powder uh, icy uh, you know uh, bike path or you're going out and just riding on gravel um, 
you know, the, I've run my tires as low as three, four PSI. And, uh, you know, there's guys that are running them, uh, 15, 18 PSI when they're out on the gravel roads. Cool. Cool. Um, Andrew, where do you run? Where do you run? So you do all kinds. You do, you do endurance events, and, and you get out there. You know, how do you like to dial in your equipment? What 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 goes through your process there? Um, I ride a lot of gravel roads around here. So, even though we don't have snow, it's it's really a nice bike that I can. You know, I'm not going to trash my any of my other bikes. I can use it to kind of play around with. Um, the tire pressure especially and then there's a lot of trails in town that people like icor the iowa coalition of off-road riders have been maintaining all season so i get to play on those too cool um you guys were on the uh, friday night fat bike ride here how's that mm. going uh it's it's still going you know um definitely a core group of uh, cyclists that, that still meet here at the shop and go out uh you know it varies it could be a couple guys uh we've uh, in our heyday, we were having, you know, 25 people show up for it. So it's a lot of fun, super low-key, great way for us to introduce people that may not uh, have been on uh, fat bikes uh, or a lot of other aspects, cold weather riding, uh, riding at night, you know, it's, uh, but we like to keep it fun. You know, it's not a race. It's not a high pressure ride. It is going out, having fun, seeing what you can do, seeing what the bike can do. Cool. Andrea, I know you've gotten out there and done some of the endurance events across the Midwest. Mm-hmm. What's the most challenging winter bike event that, that's there right now? Uh, most challenging. We have a lot of uh, people, and I actually haven't done this race, but Arrowhead. Yep. And that's something that locally people bike and run and ski. So we have, or I think we're sending about three people from the shop this year, and sure. it's up in International Falls, Minnesota. Ooh. What's the temp during that? Uh, typically, it's below zero. It should be down to like negative 10. But this year, it's about 30 degrees up there right now, which sure. kind of explains the lack of the fat bike enduro. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's one of the toughest ones because it's such a seemingly tame place in Minnesota, but it's right up there on the border of Canada. So And those temps, temps shouldn't scare you if you have good gear. No, yeah. And you keep moving. Yeah. And you're able to manage your sweat. Mm-hmm. I mean, those, those are kind mm-hmm. of the big things in it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, with uh, with those events, you know, really, especially events like Arrowhead and uh, yeah. and uh, there's another uh, little smaller local one, Triple D up in Dubuque mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and things like that. You know, you, you know, as Andrea said, you got to go out and kind of do these shakedown rides and mm-hmm. kind of know, you know, how your heat management's going to be and your sweat management and um, mm-hmm. and what to do. You know, if you're out in the middle of the north woods of Minnesota and uh you know you have problems and and how to manage those uh uh, you know effectively so Mm -hmm. cool hey we have one question we ask every guest on here so i'm gonna i'm gonna quiz you guys this is a tough one you gotta really give it some thought what is your favorite type of pie pie can i choose two sure you can sure okay I do pecan pie and strawberry rhubarb because mm. I think those are different categories of pie. Right, two good yeah. choices though. Yeah, I, I, I think going back to my childhood, uh, that the uh, the French silk pie um, mm, was nice. uh, at, would be at the top of the list. That's an old grandma's mm. uh, secret recipe favorite. Uh, recently, I would say uh, just the good old uh, apple pie uh, oh, has yeah. has grown into the. Uh, uh, on the dessert menu at the at the Baker House, so mm. um, yeah, 
Well, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me for the the Just Go Bike podcast. Thanks, yeah, thank um, you. We'll be running this soon, and, and uh, we look forward to uh, to hearing more about fat bikes. If you if you have a chance, come to World of Bikes or, or any bike shop across the state. Go talk to them about by, uh, fat bikes and, and winter biking because it's uh, something that really seems to be growing. Hey guys, Brian Powers here for the Just Go Bike podcast. Earlier this month, I sat down with Jeremy Lewis. He's the executive director of the Des Moines Bicycle Collective. The collective, it's a, it's a cool place downtown that encourages active transportation choices, but it also offers a community workspace for you to learn to work on your bike. So if something happens, you don't have to take it to a shop per se, but you at least know how to fix it yourself. I caught Jeremy on a particularly cold January morning in Iowa and uh, asked him what his ride in was like. I have to be frank with you, um, when I rolled out of bed this morning, it was dark, I could hear the wind still, you know, probably negative 15 wind chill. I'm like, I might just drive my car. He said he likes to weave physical activity into his day-to-day life instead of trying to make it to a gym, but that also riding his bike to work. I'm going to feel a lot more energetic, I'm going to be a lot more alert, and I'm going to be ready to take on my day. So it's my favorite way to get to work, but it's also very practical because it, it, it gives me the energy I need to persevere. But while that energy may not set in until he gets to work, he does say having the right frame of mind is key when stepping out into less than ideal riding weather. It's cold and windy and a mindset is absolutely key, right? It's not easy to leave a warm environment knowing you can get into a warm car and to ride your bike. So you have to you have to be able to willing to push through. But if you're wearing the right clothes and you have the right mindset, uh, anybody can do it. And while anybody can do it, He added, planning is the most important part of the process. One of the biggest challenges with commuting in the winter is just planning ahead of time because there's a lot of, obviously you need to wear more clothes. If you're not warm, it's not going to be fun. And if you're not having fun, most people are not going to do it, right? And it's not like you have to go out and get a brand new bike either, he said. Any bike will do, but he added, The difference is when there's snow on the ground. Obviously when there's snow on the ground, We encourage people to reduce some of the pressure in their air tires so they they touch the ground a little easier. But also really just if you have a bike with some knobby tires, so your traditional mountain bike tires will work 95% of the time. Knobby tires or not, if your bike gets hung up for the winter only to come back outside when the flowers bloom, Jeremy also addressed some of the common problems with riding to work in the summer as well. A lot of people don't work at places that offer, you know, showering facilities. But really, again, kind of like how 95% of the time, I think that you can wear the right clothes to, to still arrive at work and not be a sweaty, hot mess, right? There's always the option to bring a set of clothes in your backpack, which is what I do. But I, so what often is the case for me is I wear in the summertime, I have my shorts on and I have a t-shirt on and I ride pretty comfortably into work. And then I switch into my sort of business casual or even sometimes a suit. All right, so I think you see what's coming next. So if it's cold, you bundle up, right? And if it's warm, you dress light. But if staying upright and dry is your concern, then what? So when you're in your car uh, and it's rainy or there's snow, you take, inevitably, you take wider turns. You take them a little slower because if you turn too hard, bad things can happen. Same for stopping as well. You just want to be cognizant and aware that it might take a little bit longer to slow down in the rain or in the snow. And then again, it's all about the gear. So 
Fenders are great on bikes, because if you, if you get wet, it's not fun. Waterproof clothes are nice when it's raining or snowing really hard, because it helps keep you warmer or keep you dry. If you can stay dry and you can stay warm, and you got the right mindset, and you're willing to do it, really, anybody can do it. And anybody really should, he said, but that doesn't mean you can't jump in your car when it's necessary. Most people find it very practical and very useful to drive a car. I drive a car. I love a car. I have three kids that I couldn't get around and do all the things that I want to do in Des Moines because public transportation is not a legitimate you know, option for all the places I need to go. Cars are very useful. Cars are very practical, and I enjoy a car. I'm a minivan owner for the first time this last summer. Um, but with that being said, the majority of commutes people take in the city of Des Moines are less than three miles. They say something like a third of them are less than two miles. I know that it's totally possible and totally practical for some of those trips to be replaced on a bicycle or walking or public transit. It's about reducing the amount of times that a person has to get into their car. And really, it's about a mindset. It's about really understanding that's possible. I live only a few blocks away from my grocery store, less than a mile from my library, less than a mile from where my kids go to school. It's not necessary year-round to always be relying on a car. But cars are great when they're there, and, and so we rely on both. Lastly, he said that there is certainly a time and a place for both a car and a bike. But people shouldn't let small things get in their way of giving it a try. The first few times will definitely be learning experiences, but once you get a system in place, it'll be no different than driving in. Hi, it's TJ Jeskowitz from Ragbri, and my guest today on the Jisco Bike Podcast is Bob Wilson, who is the Perry Chamber of Commerce Director, and I think Bob's got a pretty good size event coming up this uh, in the near future called Burr. So, welcome, Bob. Hey, thanks for having me. And tell us a little bit, for, for those that have no idea what Burr is, is it a head cold? Is it a, <laughs> what, what is Burr? If they don't know, I don't know where they've been for the last 40 years. That's the problem. So Burr Burr is celebrating the 40th ride this year. That's incredible. That's just not too much younger than your big bike ride as well. So, you know, Burr is a longstanding tradition in Perry. It is a fundraiser for the chamber. But more importantly, it keeps us on the cycling map. It's a ride no matter what the weather on the first Saturday in February. We will not cancel it for weather. The numbers might not be huge you know but (laughs) there's a lot of fair weather riders but we ride out to a little town of rippy iowa population of about 200 on a good day if everybody and their dogs there you know and then we have some fun over there there's uh, the youth group sells baked potatoes the lions club sells uh, hot beef sundays things like that you know people like to eat when they ride so it's about uh, 23 miles round trip like i said you hit rippy and then come back in a perry and and hang out celebrate um have a good time the Hotel Pati, a fabulous location, lets us host registra- registration there, which blows my mind. You know, here, here mm-hmm. we are in the middle of February and bike cleats are muddy and stuff like that. But uh, the Hartz family are so generous to us. So we start down there. We like to explore Perry. Obviously, this is a bigger than a bike ride. You know, we, we, want, we want people to come in, celebrate, um, experience the, the restaurants, the bars, the, the, the retail shops, things like that as well. So it's a good promotion. 
and it's been going on for 40 strong years. I'll I'll tell you what, my first experience with Burr was 2003 when I moved to Iowa. One of the, I I guess I had a bucket list of things, if you will. Um, Someone gave me a list, uh, Tim Lane actually and Jim Hart gave me a list of a hundred things that I had to do (laughs) to become an Iowan or or perceived Iowan. And Burr was on that list, so right away, Right out of the box, I'm like, I'm Burr, and it's like one of the iciest burrs of all time. <laughs> so literally before I hit city limits sign, I, I fell three or four times on the ice, like, you know, obviously I had a helmet on, but it was like, wow. I think we turned around, did a U-turn, went right back to the hotel pet and started, <laughs> started having a few cocktails to, to, to warm up a little bit. Yeah. So The cool thing about Burr is it's so traditional. It's so based on tradition. And, and just like you said, it's a bucket list for a lot of people. We have a lot of people that haven't missed it in 30 years. Um, that's the part I like the most is hearing the stories. You know, I've been the director of this ride for about six years. I grew up around the, the, the ride itself too, doing it um, in high school and whatnot. But the morning of the, the, the ride, just seeing the people, the fellowship, the camaraderie, telling stories like yourself. You know, you remember 94 when we couldn't get past, you yeah. know, such and such house. And um, that's the important part, sharing that story, continuing the tra- tradition. And that's kind of what, um, you know, people keep asking, what are you doing different? What are you doing this year? You know, I, I, I kind of pride ourselves on staying tradition, staying the course. It's a good thing. Just keep it keep it what it is and that's kind of neat so you know we don't we don't judge come for the ride if you don't want to ride come hang out that's cool and you need some volunteers as well or are you pretty good shape for for this year you know we're doing all right but we're always looking for new people um there are some people in town that say oh that darn bike ride you know i can't go to the grocery store that day or whatever it is those are the ones i grab Mm-hmm. And say, okay, come on down. And we've turned some of the negative ones into v- huge burr advocates now. You know, they come down, they, these people are awesome. They're coming to town. They're exploring. They're so kind. Um, like, you know, it's it's the writers that Sounds make it familiar. work. Sounds very familiar. <laughs> we're, and we're and, copying you. Well, I know Bob pretty well because we, we hosted RAGBRAI. I think it was 2013 mm-hmm. when RAGBRAI came through Perry. And Bob is definitely one of cycling's advocates in, in that area over in the Dallas County area. He's also uh, very much involved with the Raccoon River Valley Trail. Mm-hmm. Lots of happenings going on. Any updates about a lot of talk about connectivity? Um, what's new and exciting about, about the RRVT? Well, it, I love the trail itself. I mean, obviously, with the 72-mile the, the loop and concrete and asphalt, it's a great trail, and we love it. But what we're focusing on now, hot and heavy, is connecting to the High Trestle Trail. And that, to me, would be a very important connection. A, a private group of uh, volunteers, um, activists, and Perry just raised $204,000, and we donated that to the Dallas County Conservation Foundation to help match funds. And that was pretty neat. We had a $100,000 donation that was matched um, by a private family and, or a local family. And um, if you haven't been to Perry lately, we have a 15 foot p- tall bike that's 30 feet wide made out of the old Hy-Vee um, structure, the beams and all this recycled stuff as well. So we're, tra- we're trying. We're, we're always pushing it. We love the trail. We love the trail system. The riders, not only the visitors, but the locals are using it. We own our trail inside the city limits, so you don't have to have a permit or a pass to use it within the city. And I think that's a great amenity and a nice addition that we, we cool. offer the residents. So, 
Well, it's important. You say, you know, we need that support to help help make things happen. And obviously, you got a lot of go getters that are that are on this. But people coming to Perry, they got to make sure they they get registered for events like Burr to to help those causes. So, you want to put a plug in to yeah. make sure they register. And how can they register? Absolutely. You know, I'm used to going to the civic organizations, and if you plug your your event too much, they make you put like a dollar in the hat, right, or something like that. You got so, it. Eventbrite.com. It's been our good friend. It came from Mark. Wyatt at the Bicycle Coalition showed us this website. Go to eventbrite.com. You can go out to Bike Iowa as well, our good friend Scott. Um, those are ways to register. More information. Uh, $25 in advance. Day of, you can still register. We still have a lot of people deciding, you know, game day decisions. So um, that registration does go up to $35. It comes with a t-shirt. But more importantly, like you said, it continues the tradition of Burr. It allows us to keep putting this event on. So we um, we do battle with some people not paying, obviously. Like you, you, I'm sure you're familiar with that a, a little, little bit. bit. <laughs> but we don't focus on the negativity of that. We appreciate our writers that support us, and we look forward to seeing them every year. Come to Perry, no matter what, you're going to have a good time. Is that, that the, the policy? That's the, You know what I always like to say? It's 65 degrees and sunny somewhere that day. So that, That's right. And we're always going to have a good time. And I'm, I'm going to guess the ride starts at what time? 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. So I'm guessing a few of the establishments might have some Bloody Marys or some screwdrivers available at those people <laughs> or, or hot coffee, hot cocoa, whatever floats your boat, I'm it, guessing. We are there to please. I'll tell you, the Hotel Patti, um, we're going to have the National Guards donating tents out front this year. They'll be heated. We'll have some live music in there. I have heard maybe some craft beer will be an option with uh, Team Good Beer and Flat Tire Lounge as well. So awesome. um, good partnerships there. And that's what we're working on. Excellent. But like you said, it's not all about that. If you want a Lions Club hot breakfast or whatever it is, or you just want to come and say hi, come on down. It is a great time. We won't even make fun of you too much if you don't ride the whole thing. But, okay. you know, it's it's got to be some fair teasing, too. So Sounds good. I, I think I'm going to get out there. This is my year. You know, I, I think I do it about every other year. So yeah, rain, shine, sleet, snow, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out there. 36 degrees is what we're looking at. Awesome. Hey, last thing I want to touch on, we just announced, obviously, Bacoon Ride number four, and Perry has been uh, an amazing part of that experience in the first three of them. You know we're reversing the route, so now instead of being late afternoon, Perry becomes the third town. So (laughs) your immediate thoughts on reversing the route, obviously going through one of our great towns like Perry, Iowa. Thoughts on Bacoon 4, what we can expect when we roll into Perry? Well, I love it because just when we finally figured out how to do it right, you like to flip it on us. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I love the fresh, the way to, to kind of mix it up, you know, seeing different parts of the day and whatnot. Um, the hotel, again, is a great, great host for that. Um, the bacon Sundays last year were amazing. We're going to have a party. And Perry's here, and Perry loves to throw a party. And whatever we do will be a good time. And if it's not fun, we're not going to do it. So that's kind of the philosophy we have. But I'm excited. June, what, 17th, we're doing that? Yep, you got it. Yeah, so um, Perry's ready. We always are ready. Yep. We have a good time. Well, we know you've really got your chops going with, with Burr 40. And uh, I think I probably erred in the intro a little bit. And I was quickly corrected by Mr. Wyatt that it's not 30, it's 40. And um, <laughs> there have probably been some people that have been riding 30, 40 years. Has anyone ridden every one of the Burrs? We don't have anybody that's ridden every one. I think the closest is 37. Okay. Um, we actually had one gentleman whose daughter was married on Burr. Missed that year or missed that day, came back the next weekend and rode it 
we're giving it to them. We're counting. Well, that sounds good. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's fun to hear people. You know, there's been years where it's negative 20 degrees. We had a gentleman that used to volunteer and count all of our riders about a mile outside of town. Um, we just lost Jack Finneseth uh, last year, and his son's taking the position awesome. to do that. So we're, we're kind of handing the baton. But there was one year, it was about negative 20. I think we counted 150 people actually rode that far. I've probably heard from 500 people that have told me they've done it. <laughs> so you know the, how that the well, folklore goes. Well, you know what? It's kind of like RAGBRAI, the, the initial RAGBRAI. I, I think we counted, you know, say a couple hundred people that did it. And, you know, just kind of like Woodstock. How many people <laughs> went to Woodstock? Well, 35,000 people might, you know, might yeah. have attended, but 400,000 said they were there. So <laughs> I, I think Burr and RAGBRAI are probably pretty similar in, in the the Pinocchio factor um, of how much you actually rode and how much how many times you actually did it. So, <laughs> And I love it. That's what we like to keep telling the story. Well, thanks for coming in, Bob. Enjoy chatting and have a have a great and safe ride on Burr 40. Yeah, and don't forget your helmets. It's very necessary. You know, like you said, the roads can be slick. We do our best to clear them, but uh, that's the fun part too. So we'll see everybody okay. on the ride. Well, that's what we do on this podcast. It's all about the fun factor. Uh, obviously, it's about riding bikes, but when you have fun on the bike, that's what we're <laughs> going to talk about. So thanks again, Bob. Hey, thanks for having me. everyone. Welcome to Parrot Talk. This is Andrea Parrot. Today we're going to talk about something that I get asked about all the time as a merchandise manager for RAGBRAI. Do I need a jersey and how do I get the right one for me? To address the first question, do I need a jersey? No, you really don't, but you'll feel better riding. You can wear a t-shirt. There's nothing wrong with that, but when you're going down a hill at 30 miles an hour and it drags you down like a parachute, you're going to realize that you might want something a little more form-fitting, something that'll make you a little more aerodynamic. So there are three main types of jersey. The racing cut, the sport cut, and the club cut. The racing cut is almost like a skin suit. It's really tight. You're going to be gliding through the air like a seal jumping into the water. Now, if you like a little bit more room to breathe, you could get the sport cut, which is kind of a happy medium. It's pretty tight, but it's not very billowy, and it'll fit pretty close to the skin, but give you just a little extra room. The club cut is almost like something a mountain biker would wear, and it's like almost a tech tee. It'll, it's very comfortable, but you're not going to get that aerodynamics that you would get with the other types of jersey. If you're shaving your legs to ride your bike, you're not wearing a club cut. At RAGBRAI, we have the Sport Cut Jersey by Primal. These jerseys run a little small, especially because a lot of people do prefer a looser fit. So just go ahead and size up to the next jersey up. Remember, no one can see the size label on your jersey. So just go ahead and get what feels comfortable for you. The most important thing is to just get out on your bike and ride. Doesn't matter what you're wearing. Not necessarily. Will you feel better if you're comfortable? Definitely. So get that jersey that's right for you. The other thing to remember with the jersey is to be very careful when washing it. You need to use cold water and maybe a sport-specific detergent to get that weird, funky jersey smell out of it. You also want to be careful when you dry it to use a low setting on a tumble dry so that it doesn't shrink too much because it is a sport technical fabric and it can get really small really fast. Well, that's it for today's Parrot Talk. Don't forget to keep sending me in your questions about bike touring, culture, or whatever else you feel like. All you have to do is send me an email 
at justgobikepodcast at gmail.com. Tweet me at justgobike or send us a message on our Facebook page at justgobike. Remember to tag all your social media posts, Parrot Talk. That's one T for parrot, one T for talk. We've reached the end of the Just Go Bike podcast. You can find our show notes at justgobike.net. What do you want to talk about on this show? Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Just Go Bike. All right. And we got some great stuff coming up in the future. I'm going to start going on the road uh, as the RAGBRAI staff starts meeting with the overnight towns for RAGBRAI. So we're going to hear from Orange City all the way across to Lansing. Little by little, you're going to learn about these great towns that we've selected. So uh, stay tuned for future editions of the Just Go Bike podcast. So that's all for now. Thanks for listening. Watch out for uh, deep snow if you're out there fat biking. And if you do fall over, do a snow angel. Thanks again for listening. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer. Brian Powers is the show's producer, and the Just Go Bike podcast is brought to you by the Des Moines Register, a part of the USA Today Network.